This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up, guys? We are back. Week 10, almost in the wraps. Does that that make sense? Almost wrapped up? Almost Almost wrapped up. Almost wrapped up. Almost in the book. I don't even know what I'm saying. Almost in the book. There you go. There you go. See, this is what happens, man. Like, you know, you wake up early on a Sunday, right? I do all these live shows. You're watching football. I'm taking notes. I'm doing all this stuff. And then we record the podcast, you know, later on, you know, at night, basically. It's a a long day. It's a long day. I think for most people that are just watching the games, enjoying it, having fun, you know, I'm, I'm having fun too, but it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. So if I oh. sound a little crazy in these Sunday night shows uh, that you end up hearing on Mondays, please, please, please just forgive me. You know, give me a little bit of a, you know, listen, man, I can't, I don't even, I can't slack. even find the word, Zach. A little slack. Yeah, you can't find the word. Zach has uh, uh, so, been filling my words in for the past yeah. like 15 minutes, even before yeah. this show even started. <laughs> that's what, that's why he keeps me here on the show because yeah, he knows after these long days, he needs somebody to pick up the slack. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> One thousand percent, um, and you do a great job at that. Um, this was a, a pretty entertaining Sunday, I would say. Um, I thought it this was. was pretty good. We had a couple of really, really good games, right? Like Browns Ravens was a great finish. Um, yeah. you know, Raven, you, you know, the I mean, the Cardinals Falcons, like that was a, a cool finish, too. Um, yeah, but Kyler, you know, obviously, back, like the Lions, the, the Lions Chargers was just phenomenal phenomenal like it's just like fantasy points back and forth a lot of plays fast action it was great you know it was a movie jameer um, gibbs oh oh my goodness oh my goodness we'll <laughs> get there we'll goal. get there what yeah. uh, what else what other games what other games uh went were, Seahawks were commanders good. Were was good. just kind of overshadowed close by finish. Like the cardinals yeah yep close like, finish so close i think finish. that and obviously you know cowboys giants was not a close finish at all no. uh no. but we're gonna start from the top of the day and then move towards the bottom of the day simply because that's just how I have it in my notes here. Okay. That's how, right. uh, <laughs> that's how we're going to do. We're going to start with the, probably the most boring game uh, of the day, right? Which yeah. was the pages and the Colts, right? Um, so let's, let's get into it. Okay. Jonathan Taylor, uh, he grabbed even more of the backfield share on Sunday, right? 96% of the running back opportunities, 88% of snaps, 75% route participation. This is, High-end RB1 type of stuff right here. Uh, the Colts are on buy this upcoming week, but you know he might be someone to buy coming out of the buy if your trade deadline isn't up by then. Um, right. Also, I, I think it's safe to drop Moss at this point. Like You don't need to hold him through this bye week, right? Um, and by the way, Josh Downs, he didn't have his full-time role. Okay, He only ran around on 25% of dropbacks. He still saw three targets. 
he's someone who you can also potentially buy low on as well, you know, maybe after their bye week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think this is the utilization for Jonathan Taylor, going back to what you said about him. You know, this is what we expected to see ever since he came back in the lineup. And I think it took like a little bit longer than we expected it to. Like, I don't know if you felt that way, but I think it, that was kind of the case. Zach Moss had a good run as a flex play, you know, but those days are over. I'm not too discouraged by the production. He did score the touchdown. The offense is going to run through him moving forward. I think that he's going to continue to get better. It's just a really low scoring game today. Uh, it was like you mentioned the most boring game today. If, and also, if you, if you let me let me ask you this real quick though, if you were Shane Steichen though, right? Like right. if you're the head coach and you had to decide on these running back splits, like would you play Zach Moss more? See, this is this is entering a territory where like it's going to sound like we would side with Arthur Smith, <laughs> but we talked about <laughs> Arthur Smith. You know, it's like to the point where it's like a, a solely NFL interaction where you're not thinking about fancy points. I, I yeah, don't think that's yeah. happening either. But like, I, I think that Zach Moss, the way he played, like if that's what you're referring to, I think that yes. it would make a little bit more sense to at least mix him in a little bit. You know, especially when the I, offense I, I think so too. Like I, I think it's today. it's. I th- yeah, exactly. I think it's very different than the Bijan Tyler Algier situation because in that situation, and it played out again today, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Where you know one back is clearly more inefficient than the other, right? And like right. it's that yeah. plays that that has played out in almost every single game this year with those two, opposed to the Colts situation where Zach Moss still to this day is like one of the most efficient running backs for the 2023 season, just overall yards of the contact, missed tackles, forced all of it. Right. And like, because of the contract that Jonathan Taylor got now he's relegated just to back a backup. Right. You know, and it's funny, man. Like, you know, we talk about these running backs who got away from the bills, right? Look at Devin Singletary today went off. Look at Zach Moss for the first, what, five, six weeks of the season. He was an RB one, you know? So, Interesting stuff. And look at James Cook now and how he's being used. It's almost like, uh, all right, yeah. well, you know, a bit. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be complaining about Arthur Smith. You know what I'm saying? Maybe there's someone else we can complain about. Maybe Sean McDermott. Huh? I don't know. I don't <laughs> <Right>. know. <laughs> well, at, at this point, that's out of Sean McDermott's hands. You know, he lost the talent. Now they're signing Leonard Fournette to come in. It's just the run game has been terrible. In Buffalo, so like that—that's a whole other conversation you could get into. But I think <laughs> with what you said with Zach Moss, it makes sense because Zach Moss did look good. Yeah. Like that, if you take out—if you just look at it in a vacuum and you take out the fact that Jonathan Taylor was paid that much—and we know who Jonathan Taylor is as a running back—and I don't think it's yeah. going to be a problem like it is with the Falcons if they lean heavily on Jonathan Taylor just because they have the contract. Because Jonathan Taylor is good, but I think if you take it out of the context and you just look at it in a vacuum, Zach Moss probably should be playing more getting more than one touch couple touches a game you know what i mean and like yes, then exactly. like you said too just like with the game going the way it was sometimes you just need to change one little thing if someone's getting some run in the game you know maybe that could change the whole you know landscape of the game maybe we'd see more points scored but i, I think you have a point there 100 percent uh D- demario douglas uh you know on the other side of the ball he had a very solid game 33 percent target share this offense is absolutely terrible uh, and Bailey Zappi ended up coming in at the yeah. very end of the game after an interception. I, I never seen a quarterback get replaced with like you know less than two minutes left in the game. Uh, you know when, when they had to win the game. Uh, but Douglas is is the clear wide receiver one for the Patriots right now. He went six for eighty four on those nine targets. His role shifted a bit out of the slot over the last two games. He's run sixty three percent of his routes from the perimeter. Uh, so he was avail- he was able to avoid Kenny Moore quite a bit today. I, I think it's definitely worth holding on to him during the Patriots bye week. By the way, Juju ran five more routes than Douglas, and he got only one target. <laughs> there's only yeah, there's only one receiver to actually have any you know type of intrigue or be at all excited about. It's Demario Douglas, and you were on this like two weeks ago before anything anybody even knew who Demario Douglas Douglas really was, but. I have no problem starting him, like you mentioned, even keeping him on the bench over the bye week. Like he's a volume-based flex play move forward. And that that that's the bottom line. You know, the Patriots they have obvious problems at offense, but he's not one of them, Demario Douglas. And I don't care if it's Mac Jones, I don't care if it's Bailey Zappi or whoever, they could pick up a free agent off the street at this point. You know, it doesn't matter. The, the QB play isn't going to improve the rest of the way. But passes are going to be thrown, and Douglas is going to be the only one with a realistic chance to catch like five or six of them maybe in a game. <laughs> That's the way it looks. Because Demario Douglas is clearly yeah. the most talented. You talk about the eye test. You, you you talked about that a couple episodes ago. And then you just look at today. Like Juju obviously is not... Talk about... Uh, 
weird contract, you know, especially when they had Jacoby Myers, they signed it to the exact same contract. Now Dude. Juju is just shit in the bed. Like, <laughs> isn't it funny? <laughs> like when thing. this exact thing happened, like when the free agency deals were signed, we literally called it out at that point. Right. We said, <laughs> yeah. what are the Patriots what? doing? Yeah. What are they doing? They're, look at look at look at how Jacoby Myers has performed, you know, over the first eight weeks of the season, right? Nine weeks of the season. Like, come on. You know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you, you didn't even you didn't even look need to look that far. This is a guy you, you picked between Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith Schuster, a guy that's out of house. You know, you've had Jacoby Myers in house. He knows the offense, yeah. he knows how things work, he's part of the culture, Crazy. you know, that kind of thing. You ship him out to get some new guy who was actually being outperformed last season even. You know, Juju was being outperformed by Jacoby Myers last season, and we thought the Patriots offense was terrible last season. It's worse now. You bring in Juju, and now he's doing nothing for you for the same price tag that you would have had to pay Jacoby Myers. It makes no sense. And that's just one of the few things that's gone wrong to bring us to the point where the offense is this bad, and we're talking about DeMar DeMario Douglas as a flex play. But that's the reality of the situation. And I think that DeMario Douglas, he's the only guy that you can really rely on right now. At this point, and it sounds crazy to actually have any chance outside of the running backs. I'd say Ramondre still has a good shot. Zeke kind of looking relevant, too. It's weird. Um, it's just really odd how the offense is shaking out. But Mario Douglas is somebody you definitely want to keep on your roster. Don't go dropping him or anything. Don't go thinking like, oh, I can move him. I'll, I'll just let him hit the waivers for one week while they're on by. No one's going to pick him up. If someone else is listening to this podcast, I'll come pick him up. So don't make that mistake. Ramondre Stevenson did end up getting hurt in this game. Uh, he He came back. Um, like towards the end of the game, but just monitor that. Uh, obviously, they have the bye this week, so he could get right. Um, but you know, Zeke, you know, might be someone's on your waiver wire. He could be someone that like is a sneaky ad, you know, in a week, right? Like after 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 the bye week, and you know, if you're short on running backs, I think if Zeke's available, you should probably pick him up right now, um, and maybe even hold him through the bye just in case, right? Um, if, right. if you have a a big enough bench where you're able to hold a running back who might not be fantasy relevant after the bye during a bye week right so like it really depends on your situation but it's just something to keep an eye on just wanted to mention that um moving on to the texans Bengals game another good game right we, we, we forgot about that one right like that was yeah, a really really forget. good game too dude <laughs> uh well it was so much earlier in the day uh but cj stroud yeah. doing cj stroud things man like great game obviously joe burrow and jamar chase getting it done tyler boyd with the big game eight for 117 trenton Irwin. Right, came through with the touchdown. But Tank Dell, you know, he was someone that we were all starting. He was probably, he probably had the biggest hype of any name going into week 10, right? He came through, yeah. didn't have this like ridiculously big game, but came through with the touchdown. Um, you know, he got it done. A lot of us were starting Noah Brown, but damn, seven <laughs> catches for 172 yards, dude. Like, he went Great. off, man. Like, this was a good matchup coming in, right? Just remember who was on Noah Brown before he got hot. All right. Just wanted to say that. Just remember who who, who, who told you there. about Noel Brown before <laughs> before last game. All right. But anyway, um I, I hate to say it though, like I'd be looking to sell, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, I think it's well kind of obvious. I, I'd only be looking to sell though once I know that Nico Collins is back. Okay, this is a calf injury, soft tissue injury. You never know. He can miss another game. Um, you know, and guess what? The Texans have the Cardinals next week. Okay, so uh, and, and by the way, Brown did transition a bit to the outside in this game. About 70% of his routes uh, were on the perimeter. And coming into week 10, Arizona has been bottom 10 against perimeter wide receivers in fantasy. So he should be in lineups next week if Nico Collins misses. Uh, but if Collins is back, I think we should probably be selling Brown. 21, 20, only 20% target share in this game, 18% last week. Uh, according to Fantasy Live's utilization report. So nothing to rave about in terms of his, like, you know, underlying utilization, right? The production was yeah. great, but the underlying utilization wasn't, like, popping off the page, okay? Uh, and by the way, he's still available in a ton of leagues. So you know, regardless of all that, he should be picked up, you know, wherever he's available, obviously. Yeah, absolutely needs to be picked up off the waiver wire if he's still there. He's been their chunk play guy over the past two games. Like, that's the best analysis I could come up with with for him you know over these past few games because like you mentioned the, the utilization hasn't been like amazing but it's good enough like he's obviously overproducing in terms of yards per catch that kind of thing he's, he's doing what he needs to do he's hyper efficient on his targets and catches but i think something has to be said for the way that cj stroud's been playing it's yeah. easy to label noah brown as a sell you know because up till last week 
and you said you, you mentioned this you were on this you know up until last week and now this week he was a fantasy nobody you said it yourself too he's still on a ton, available on a ton of waiver wires he's still not that kind of guy in fantasy yet i think we do call him a sell but at the same time like what's stopping him from having this kind of upside on a weekly basis i know nico collins mm-hmm. is out but is CJ Stroud playing at a high enough level for him to be pretty solid flex play on a weekly basis? You know what I mean? Like this isn't a guy that's gonna just gonna fall off the map right now with the way CJ yeah. Stroud's been playing. Nico Collins was out too last week. And that's when Noah Brown had the game that put him on the map. You know what I mean? The Texans are clearly competitive enough for that to be the case. I think Stroud's at the point where he's elevating the talent talent around him. Usage hasn't been perfect, but it's plenty enough to make him worth keeping. You know, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that you can sell out from Brown and walk away a little bit richer. You know, if there's a move, you can make move Brown, go get a surefire option or use him in a package deal to upgrade another position. I say go for it. But you, I think you can also hang on to him and have yourself a really nice weekly flex play. You can spot start, you know, on any given week just with the way CJ Stroud is playing right now. Like we weren't yeah. expecting CJ Stroud to really support more than one fantasy wide receiver at all. You know, this season, obviously that was a low expectation. Hindsight's 2020. Um, we were talking about Nico Collins being that guy, but now it's like all of these guys have a chance to be that type of guy. Tank Dell, we were talking about being the hot play coming in. Now Noah Brown's part of this passing attack. Dalton Schultz is stepping up. He's elevating people around him. And I think people are a little hesitant to say that, but that's what's happening right now. And also just one other thing I, I mentioned, Tank Dell, he was on pace for a really good game. Then he went out with that injury. You know, he went out for just a little bit. And then after that, like the target share, it was just Noah Brown's day the rest of the way. Cause Tank Dell had, I think it was like 15 fantasy points in the first quarter and to Noah Brown's like five. And then suddenly he goes out with an injury and Noah Brown comes in. Like Tank Dell is still going to be plenty fine in this offense too. He gets plenty of targets. He's doing what he needs to do. But CJ Stroud gives all of these guys the opportunity to be fantasy relevant on a weekly basis and not just like a five or six point way, eight point way. Like these guys could all have hundred yard games. You know what I mean? We just have to see it happen. 100%, man. And we talked about Devin Singletary coming into the week. So I said not to you know, overvalue the production, the lack of production that he had last week and to value the utilization that he had. You know, He was a full-time player. He was, a, he was their, their guy in the backfield. And it worked out this week if you started him. 30 carries for 150 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that is a huge workload. No other running back got a carry. Uh, that's awesome production. And now you have to wonder what happens when Damian Pierce comes back. And you have to wonder about Pierce's ankle injury too, right? He hasn't practiced at all for for two weeks. So, Mike, yeah. I mean, it's probably a high ankle, right? Like, it, it, I, that's my assumption. Like, I don't think he just rolled his ankle and he's missing two weeks. I would assume it's right. a high ankle at this point. Um, I'm surprised they didn't put him on IR if that was the case. Um, but the Texans now have Arizona this upcoming week. Right, so Singletary can definitely be in lineups next week, regardless of whether Pierce is back or not. Well, you know, who knows if Pierce is even going to be a hundred percent if he does end up playing. Uh, but yeah, just monitor Pierce's practice status this week. Singletary, you know, was already eating into the workload. Remember, like a few weeks ago, he was like that waiver wire ad coming off of his buy. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if there's a change here uh, in this backfield at all. I, I think it's amazing the way that Damian Pierce has just fallen off the fantasy relevance map. Obviously, he's been out right? the past two weeks. But like we've seen this story a few times where a guy's just showing up on angry runs every week and then he's consistently putting up empty yardage. <laughs> like, cool. Right. You can run through four guys for a nine yard carry, but when you end up with only 40 yards on a day and no receiving work on top of that, you know, you're not useful in fantasy football. And that's what happened to Pierce. And now he's hurt and Singletary's looking good. Like it makes you wonder just how big a part of this offense he's going to be moving forward, especially with I'd say CJ Stroud, the way that he's playing, like they don't have to rely on the run game too much at that point. If you want to rely on a hot hand, like Singletary was today, you know, like is Damian Pierce going to be that hot hand guy? Is he just somebody that you kind of hammer the rock with? He's going to have like goal line upside maybe, and that's about it. So I think the way Singletary has been playing, you definitely have to be concerned as a Pierce manager if he's going to be able to be a start. Not not that he was very good even when you started him, but now it's like a serious question of is the workload even going to be there? And like Before it was like a 50-50 split. Could we see Singletary take over this backfield a little bit? Even if it's 60-40, that's going to hurt Pierce a lot. You know, he, he's going to be somebody that have to keep on the edge I, of your bench. I, I feel like it's over for Pierce at this point, you know, as long as Singletary is healthy in terms of him taking over this backfield again. Right. It, it, I think, right. True, I think yeah. the, I think the range of outcomes at this point is like somewhat close to a 50, 50 split and Singletary being the one a in this backfield. Um, do, do I see him taking over completely? I don't, 
I, I think Pierce is going to be involved somewhat, right? Like like you mentioned, 60-40. I kind of feel like the, the, the range of outcomes is kind of like 50-50 to 60-40, like in, in, in Singletary's, you know, or maybe, or like I would say 60-40 uh, from like, you know, Pierce being the 1A, to like 60 40 with singletary being the one day like that's right. like a it's like a really small range of outcomes but like it kind of sucks for both but it, i think it definitely sucks yeah. for pierce that's for sure yeah you, what you're saying <laughs> is like the tipping point is never going to be further in 60 40 in one way it, I, it's I not going so. to be that's my guess is that what, is that what you mean yeah at, at this point yep, yep I, i'm yep, with you on that one it's just yeah. like and then also with the same way cj stroud's playing like you know if they end up going past first and they're in these competitive games they're going to put the ball in cj stroud's hands you know it just happened that devin mm-hmm. singletary had a great yeah. game this week but remember last week cj stroud had that huge game and how many points did devin singletary have he was single digits. Exactly. we weren't even it talking was about all it. it was all cj stroud last week and yeah. pretty much all it was almost all cj stroud this week it was like singletary's like 30 carries just went really unnoticed honestly until i looked at the box score yeah, it, it really did. And I think part of that was because the Texans were up comfortably mm-hmm. for most of the day. It was weird. Exactly. It was a weird sequence because he ended up, CJ Stroud, having a good day as well. You know, the rushing touchdown helped. But it was just like we talked about, really good game to watch. So yeah, Well, we it was that Jamar Chase like, touchdown. You know, it was that Jamar Chase long touchdown that was like, okay, yeah. Bengals mm-hmm. are back in, right? And then yeah. you know, it ended up being a close game. Um, right. But it was interesting, man. Uh, another close game, AFC North, Browns, Ravens. Pretty crazy game, too. Like, listen, honestly, I expected a low-scoring game here, dude. Like, I really <laughs> did. Like, two really yeah. good defenses, right? Like, the Ravens went up big. Browns rallied. That pick six it was a huge play right there. That tied it up. Um, you know, Jerome Ford, he went over 100 yards on 17 carries. Kareem Hunt ended up with the touchdown, but, you know, he had only 32 carries on 10, 32 yards on 10 carries, I should say. Um, and, you know, we identified this last week as Ford being the primary back there. You know, nothing really changed for for the in this backfield. Like, Kareem Hunt, like, has been the primary short yardage back as well. 64% of snaps for Ford, 64% of the run, running back opportunities for him as well, 60% rap participation. Uh, very solid role for forward moving forward. Uh, very solid RB two, I would say. You know, moving forward. Yeah, and if I don't know if you feel like this, but this is just me. Like, yeah. if we could just get that Jer- uh, Jerome Ford a touchdown that Kareem Hunt's been getting these past five weeks. You know, like we could be, be having some talks be, about Jerome Ford as much more fantasy valuable, fa- much more fantasy. I kind of, I kind of feel like he'll be RB one. If he, he'll be a like RB one play, I yeah. think so. I think, I think so. he'd be in there because like the workload has been there for forward, but Kareem Hunt just keeps vulturing touchdowns at this point. Like, is it not angering to hear this? Like, listen to these past five weeks, six, five weeks on the game log since week six, Kareem Hunt. It's been the exact same thing five times in a row. 12 carries, 47 yards, touchdown, 10 carries, 31 yards, two touchdowns, 14, 55, one touchdown, 14, 38, one touchdown, 10, 32, one touchdown. Like, please, just give that carry that's the touchdown to Jerome Ford for once. Like if you could just do that, we could be having a much more fun conversation about Jerome Ford. But right now we're sitting here talking about Kareem Hunt. He's putting up nine or 10 points a game. He's just a flex play. There's, there's no reason for him to be doing that. They might as well just list him as the team vulture on the depth chart at this point. Like it's just ridiculous. It seems were like they're going to continue. Were you talking about Gus Edwards in that game log, or was that was that Kareem Hunt? I, you think I, I you think tell. it was Gus Edwards? Yeah, you think <laughs> it was Gus Edwards? But this is Kareem Hunt, and it's just crazy because they pulled him off the couch and he's just scoring touchdowns for him. It's, it's hilarious. But uh, it seems like they're going to keep using him in that role, though. Obviously, five weeks of this, the exact same thing over and over and over. Independent of matchup, doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's going to limit Ford in terms of his weekly upside, and it's going to keep him, I think, as like a low to mid RB two the rest of the way unless things swing in his favor. But Ford is still a very good fantasy running back. It's just there's meat left on the bone there, and it's really aggravating. <laughs> I know, man. And, and Gus Edwards did also extend his touchdown streak uh, this week. He had a touchdown. He had 11 carries. But I would hope Keaton Mitchell gets some more opportunity, man. He had that big 39-yard touchdown run early in the game, turned that corner. He was out like Devon A-chain, right? That's the oh comparison God. that everyone's trying to give uh at this did you, point did you look at my notes or am i just not unique because that's exactly what i said i was like this guy looks well, like Devon on <laughs> yeah well it's not just you zach if you're on fantasy twitter you would you would see the same thing like everyone's comparing him to hit to to a chain but like only three carries man like you know gus had 11 
Um, you know, Keith Mitchell also had another catch for 32 yards. So like, you know, four touches, you know, 39, well, Keith Mitchell ended up with a 39 yard touchdown, but he ended up with 34 yards, but he also had a 32 yard catch. So like, I'm surprised he wasn't more involved in this than the second half when the game got closer, you know, like only 22% of snaps overall for Mitchell. Um, that's not great. I mean, I would assume that his touches go up moving forward, right? It has to, um, but only 22% of snaps, like, you know, not amazing, but he's still available on some waiver wires. Um, so he still needs to be rostered. You know, if he is available, he looks really good, man. Yeah, he, he really does. And I think that he, you have to roster him in hopes that he kind of turns into a Devon A chain. You know what I mean? Like if they end up using him, this backfield is by, it's far from like this idea of who's going to be getting the most carries. Obviously, I think the only thing that you're really sure of at this point is Gus Edwards having the goal line role. That, that's about it. But the rest of it's kind of up for grabs, especially just early downs in general. And then also, you know, the, the long down distance, it's, it's all up for grabs. So Keaton Mitchell has a talent here. He looks the most talented obviously in a small sample size that we've had in this back of any running back in this backfield. If you look at the game log, uh, not the game log, but um, just the stats from this game box score for the Ravens, how did they score 31 points? <laughs> like nobody had a big fantasy day. Lamar Jackson, he only had 15 points. He threw a touchdown and two picks. Like nobody had a big fantasy day here and they ended up with 31 points. It feels like there was something off about today because it was a close game, but you mentioned that, you know, Keith Mitchell, why wasn't he getting more touches? That, that That's a good question because I obviously four touches is rough. You don't want to see that for a guy that's playing the way he was. But, like, he, it really does make you wonder, like, what's going on there with the Ravens offense? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get it, man. But the Ravens offense, like, you know, it's, it's one of the better – offenses in the league at this point you know their offensive line is really really good it doesn't matter which defense they're going up against they're getting it done man uh especially in the run game like they're really getting it done so it's awesome right. to see our sponsor for this episode is better vision it's an app that allows you to keep track of all of your bets in one place if you have accounts on all of these different sports books you have to switch between them to see whether you're up or not you lose track of where you play certain bets and it gets confusing but not anymore not with better vision. All of your bets are tracked in one place. And not only that, the best part is better vision will let you know which betting platforms have the best odds for certain bets. All right. So if you like a play, normally you will look through all of your apps one by one to see what which one has the best odds. Uh, and then you end up playing on that app. But why not have a side-by-side -side comparison all on one screen within one app? And then you just click on the bet that you want to make within better vision and you're good to go. Okay, go check it out. It's completely free. Go to bettervision.us or go to the App Store and search Better Vision. That's better with an O. So B-E-T-T-O-R Vision in the App Store today. Moving on to the Saints game. Derek Carr left the game with the concussion and a shoulder injury. We'll need to get more info on that. The best we can do is wait for MRIs at this point. Um, we'll probably get some more info soon, but we might not. Also, because the Saints have a bye this week, so they don't right. need to report anything this week. Um, you know, he has some extra time to get it right, though. If he can't make it back by week 12, Jameis Winston would be fantasy relevant, and he would continue or improve all of their playmakers' fantasy relevancy. Uh, okay. Uh, especially yeah. maybe Chris Olave, uh, who had one catch for 15 yards with Derek Carr. Derek Carr leaves the game in the middle of the third quarter, and then Jameis Winston comes in and goes seven for 70. Well, Jameis Winston comes in, and then from there, Chris Olave goes seven for 79 with a touchdown on nine targets in only 20 minutes of game time. Okay, and that touchdown. Woo! Yeah. Miraculous touchdown. <laughs> it was like a godsend from the fantasy gods. Like, this is exactly what you wanted. And I have Chris Olave in so many leagues. And I was having a heart attack at halftime because I'm sitting there. I'm sure a lot of people can relate with me on this. They also have Chris Olave. They're looking at this game. They're like, not okay. So first of all, not only was this a game that was supposed to be, you know, leaning in the Saints' favor. Like I didn't. I don't think a lot of people thought the Vikings were going to win here because the Saints have a good defense. But the Saints were way down, <laughs> coming from a negative game script, and at halftime, Chris Olave had zero targets. I was having a heart attack. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Obviously, we hope Derek Carr's all right. You know, he can be healthy soon. That's good. They have this bye week. Cool. But if you had Chris Olave today, were you that upset when James Winston initially came in for Derek Carr? Like, were you not sitting there thinking, like, maybe something will change? 
And then we saw Olave get peppered, like you mentioned, nine targets and pretty much a quarter and change. Like Olave didn't have a single target the first half. That was with Michael Thomas leaving the game after the first drive. Like we talked all offseason about how Carr locked in on Devontae Adams last year as a number one wide receiver, but he hasn't done that with Olave this year. And after seeing that Winston was able to do it for him, you know, like I'm actually a little upset that the Saints have their bye this week because I would love to have seen what Olave could do <laughs> with a full game of Winston at quarterback at this point. Cause like people have been fed up with Chris Olave the past few weeks and pretty much his whole, you know, like middle part of the season. He's just not getting it done. Now Winston comes in. He has this game. He had a wide receiver one performance in 20 minutes. Like, that's all you need to know. It's not a talent problem with Chris Olave. It's just like Derek Carr, man. Like, he is not beating the mid allegations right now, at least in my book. Yeah, 1,000%. I have nothing to add <laughs> to that. Just, just, this it's is hilarious, just dude. I just I, – I was on mute, like, for most of your spiel just now, and I was just – dying laughing um the entire time because like, it's we were really this fun. close. like imagine if james winston didn't come in or chris olave has another bad performance like what would we be talking about right now with chris olave it's like there's a serious problem <laughs> luckily we don't have to have that conversation right now they're going into the bye but still it's just like wow i it's, we know that chris olave is alive he's just not getting used the way he yeah should. well at least he got two straight touchdowns two weeks in a row that's what we need that's what we need keep yep. it going let's yep. keep it going um, Taysom Hill, he got only one carry this week after leading the Saints in carries last week. He got only two catches on four targets. This is going to come crashing down at some point, and it looks like it just did for whatever reason. It's it's like no rhyme or reason why they do anything, right? Like Alvin Kamara's usage goes up, then it goes down, then Jamal Williams gets some carries, then he doesn't, then Taysom Hill comes in, gets some carries, and he doesn't. Like, what is happening? Okay, I don't get it. Like, Jamal Williams ended up getting four carries to Alvin Kamara's nine carries, Jamal Williams didn't get anything going at all. Alvin Kamara did get some usage in the receiving game, which was great. Yeah, it's just it's just weird, dude. It's just like the weird way of this entire offense's utilization is so weird. Yeah, and you didn't even mention Rashid Shaheed. Yes, <laughs> he had a quiet game. It's like there's so many moving. He, he got the targets off. though. Rashid Shaheed got yeah. the targets in this game with Michael Thomas <laughs> going down. I, yeah. I don't know, man. He was the anti-Rashid Shahid. Instead of going three for 133, he went five for 24, and he had nine targets. It's like nobody is consistent in this offense. I mean, I, I would argue that Alvin Kamara is all right because he got the receiving yeah, he is. work. He, he, is, he, he, just sure. didn't he just didn't have it last week. You know, He's the most consistent part of this offense. I think you could keep leaning on him moving forward. But the rest of the way, it's just like any of the non-running backs and wide receivers, like you, you can't trust. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and Michael Thomas, he ended up suffering a knee injury. It doesn't seem overly serious because he was, like, standing on the sideline for the best of the game, um, but it's possible he missed right. his time. Uh, it could mean we see more targets for Rashid Jaheed. He definitely got more playing time this week because of it. Um, but the rookie, A.T. Perry, also was a beneficiary. He's not a must-pick-up or anything, but he's someone to pay attention to as the obvious replacement, uh, as the ex-receiver in this offense. He did replace Michael Thomas's role. You know, when Michael yeah. Thomas left this game. Okay. And he ended up scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter as well. <laughs> when James Winston's really the quarterback, <laughs> when James Winston's the quarterback, like there's a Weird lot that can happen. happen. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot that can happen. That was right? that so, touchdown was peak James Winston. Like it was peak scramble around for 10 seconds, <laughs> run to the opposite side of the field, throw all the way across your body to the opposite side of the field into double coverage and have your six five rookie receiver jump ball the thing and come down. <laughs> Dude, like, it, was, it was just ridiculous. I think James Winston might go down as like one of my all time, like top five all time quarterbacks. Like he's just, just like all time favorite quarterbacks. He's just like one of my favorite like combinations of like character, character and like quarterback play, play for fantasy. Yeah, it's the best. It's just like <laughs> his exercise routines, um, his play style, his like gunslinger mentality. Um, just like everything about James Winston is what I love about an NFL quarterback and. I don't know, man. Top five. Top five dead yeah. or alive. No, nothing uh, is too ridiculous for James Winston. And that's what you love to see. It, no. Especially on the red zone with Scott Hansen calls. He's like, what is happening? It's like, yeah. <laughs> he, he belongs on red zone every week. Like, do not give them a primetime game. Leave them in the one and four o'clock slots. <laughs> All right. On the other side of the ball, Josh Dobbs, man. What a game. Uh, looked really good. Made a ton of big plays. 44 yards rushing, including a touchdown with his legs. The Vikings are six and four. It's crazy, Damn. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, his, his, his play is just huge for them. It's huge. He's just getting it done. I love it. 
Yep. Pastronaut. <laughs> we, Pastronaut we, we loved man. we loved we we loved to see it. Like Josh Dobbs, he did you see his touchdown run? Like I'm I'm just wondering if he did. Like the yeah, touchdown run that he had. It was I don't want to say Lamar Jackson esque, but they threw up this the graphic in that game. They're like Josh Dobbs is second highest rushing yardage total of any quarterback in the NFL. That's over Jalen Hurts. And that's that's over other rushing quarterbacks. Like Josh Dobbs is dual threat quarterback in today's league right now, and he's going to be probably like a, a low QV one start moving forward the rest of the way. He's getting reinforcements for Justin Jefferson coming back soon. It's like, what more can you say? Like he's done it the whole season at this point. Like it feels weird, like the Geno Smith scenario where it's like, do we trust him? I think it's been long enough where it's like, okay, this guy's been a career backup is now playing at a high level. Like, I think we can kind of lean into this a little bit more. Like, what do you think? I, yeah, man, like he's getting it done, dude. Like he's getting, not only is he getting it done himself, but he's making his guys fantasy relevant. Like TJ Hawkinson, you know, got it done big time, you know, despite the news of him being limited, limited my ass. Okay. He ran around on 83% <laughs> of dropbacks. Okay. 11 catches for 134 yards and a touchdown on 15 targets. Like what kind of report was that dude? You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. But anyway, like TJ Hawkinson is going to be just fine. I think with Dobbs at quarterback, uh, he was targeting his tight ends in Arizona and he's doing it again in Minnesota. Right. So, Right. Um, he's gonna be. He's gonna continue to get it done. Justin Jefferson coming back soon. This is, this offense is gonna be good. It's crazy. Yeah. And did you see TJ Hawkinson? You talk, you mentioned he was limited coming to the game or whatever. They had those reports coming out. He was just getting rocked out there. How many times did he see was him just get, like destroyed? He was. Like, he was. Like, but he, right he, can't, he kept coming plate. back in the game. Yeah, Tough dude. But like, but like right in the back plate, flipping over, like just hitting him, like obviously getting the wind knocked out of him a couple times. Like you know, just. It was crazy the way that TJ Hawkinson was playing. He looked like he he looked like a wide receiver. But the other yeah. thing that comes to mind with me with you know Josh Dobbs playing this way though, I was a little bit disappointed. Like I don't know if you felt this way, but with Jordan Addison, like his yeah. production, it, it was a little bit lower than I thought it would be with the way that Josh Dobbs was playing. And they were nursing a lead for most of the game, so I get it. You know they were in a positive game script. There was no reason to be throwing the ball a bunch. They really went into that rollover and dive play call late in the game where it's just like run, 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 like. The, Josh Dobbs didn't do anything for pretty much a fourth quarter, but he was out in the field just handing the ball off and stuff like that. But with Jeff Justin Jefferson coming back, you know, probably next week, and TJ Hawkinson suddenly being Dobbs' favorite target, you have to wonder what's going to happen with Addison. Like, I'd imagine that his weekly floor is going to take a pretty big hit. I think that the upside will still be there, but I'm not sure how confident I am with Jordan Addison moving forward. I mean, this is just one game, but Justin Jefferson is going to come back. I just wonder what his role is going to look like moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's a it's a valid concern for sure. Um, and you know, even before with Kirk, when Just Jefferson was healthy, it's not like Addison was getting a high target share anyway. He was right. just scoring a lot of touchdowns. That's the issue. Right? That's, yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, Alexander Madison suffered a concussion in this game. Ty Chandler came in. He took on a solid workload. If Madison were to miss next week, Chandler has a great matchup on deck against Denver. Okay, so he should be picked up on waivers, you know, for a chance to be a solid RB2 with upside next week. Uh, keep in mind that, you know, more often than not, players do miss a game after a concussion, you know, the week before. Um, right. Moving on to the Packers and Steelers, some very interesting performances here. <laughs> interesting is the word. Uh, Kenny Pickett, he threw for only 126 yards. Uh, the ground game was uncharacteristically efficient in this one. Jalen Warren, 15 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. Najee Harris, 16 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. They needed their wide receiver. They they did not need their wide receivers. They threw the ball 23 times. Um, the fact that five different players had four targets, including Deontay Johnson, uh, you know, not really what you wanted to see. One catch for 17 yards for him. Brutally disappointing. Okay, yeah. brutally disappointing. Um, but you know, maybe you can go buy him at this point. This is not what to expect moving forward. I'm personally going to continue to try and sell these two running backs. Like they're not going to continually get they're not going to get it done together, right? Like we saw how this first half of the season looked. This offense isn't good. This this isn't going to continue. You know, they look like every week's they look like every week starters, like based on their recent game logs. But I'd be looking to sell them right now you know, for more dependable weekly starters, um, like actual yeah. weekly starters. Like if I'm selling one, I think Najee is the guy I'm selling before I'm selling Warren. Like the opportunities were like really 50-50 in this game. Warren just looks like a better running back. He's been looking like a better running back all season. Um, 
Yeah. So if I'm selling one, it's Najee. But if you can get some value for both of these guys, because like I kind of feel like they're both like RB threes. Like they're not. They're not even like low end. They're producing l- l- higher than what they are. I think. But to yeah. me, they're both like high end RB threes. Not necessarily like. You know, they're probably going to finish. Are they going to finish as top twelve running backs this week? Um, I mean, they, uh, they might. I, I think it's possible, but I think you're right on the money with that. Like they definitely don't feel yeah, like yeah they, they are, be. dude. RB eight are like as of right now. Obviously, the, like the Jets Raiders are hap- is happening right now. But Jalen Warren and Najee Harris are the RB seven and RB eight on the week right now. It's so <laughs> just crazy, and it's funny because yeah. like I don't know about you, but I've been ranking them right next to each other. Like that's what I've been <laughs> I doing did too. I did too this week. Yeah, yeah you I have too. to because it's like what Warren doesn't have in workload or hasn't had up to this point in workload has come from efficiency, and then the workload that Najee's been getting has been offset by inefficiency. And now they both do the same thing. They're both efficient. I, of course, I mean I'm playing against Najee Harris in like two of my leagues, and of course he's like hurdling guys. I don't know if you saw that play. He's out there like <laughs> looking Mr. Efficiency suddenly, you know. But the way that this offense is playing, and it's just. They are the perfect symbol of what's going on with the Steelers this season. It's like they're playing such ugly football, but winning and, you know, coming through in the big moments. You know, the the Steelers are six and three. These running backs are going to be top 12 running backs in the week, probably, but they're not doing it pretty. You know what I mean? Like the way that the offense is running, this can't continue, right? (laughs) Like, I think that what's what's going to happen. Deontay Johnson had a really quiet game. All of the pass catchers in Pittsburgh had a really quiet game. If they could get that going a little bit more, you're going to go back to the same type of workload and production that we've been seeing out of these past, out of these running backs the past few weeks. But it's definitely a pain in the butt and something they really have to worry about with Kenny Pickett only throwing for 120 yards. Like he's done this how many times now? And it looks like it's really going to hurt these Steelers wide receivers. It sucks seeing Deontay Johnson, you know, not perform. It's a, just really confusing. This Steelers offense is hilarious. Did you see Matt Canada was on the sideline? Maybe that's what changed. I'm not sure. Matt Canada was actually down the sideline, not in the press box. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's tough to analyze this offense, but I would say that you're on the money. You should be selling these running backs, definitely. But maybe go by Deontay Johnson because I do think that he'll be able to turn things around. Historically, yeah. he's been a target earner. So that's somebody I'm looking at maybe to buy because this was just a weird game. For sure. Um, on the other side, Aaron Jones uh, couldn't get as much of the wor- of a workload as we'd like in the run game. Maybe, maybe more so. I should say that we needed more production because um, he still had 19 opportunities. He had six targets. Um, you know, down game. I think for him, I, I I don't think he necessarily moved backwards in terms of that opportunity. It's more similar to last week than it was prior to that. Like he played on almost exactly 57 percent, almost exactly, almost exactly 57 percent of snaps two weeks in a row um you know by the way jones is yet to have a full practice yet okay i'm just saying um yeah it's weird um moving on titans offense extremely disappointing in this game derrick henry only had 20 yards 20 total yards in this game absolutely brutal deandre hopkins biggest one of the biggest surprises for me 27 receiving yards in a ridiculously good matchup man like You'd hope Will Levis could have put a put together a better performance. You know they couldn't get anything going on offense at all. I think my expectations maybe were too high going into this game, especially for DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. You know, maybe I, I was I'm kind of in that same boat, but you know maybe we were just riding the high of oh this is the defense that CJ Stroud just hung 475 pass touchdowns on. You know like maybe we were riding that high and thinking oh Will Levis can do it. Well Will Levis isn't CJ Stroud. And this Texans offense is still pretty bad. Now, I still think Will Levis should be the starter. I think he's still more interesting than anything that you're going to have with Ryan Tannehill. But it looks like the one week of Will Levis where he popped off, it, you know, that ride in that high was short-lived. Because at this point, the offense just doesn't look good again. Are we going to move DeAndre Hopkins back down? If he can't come through in a matchup like he had this week, like, can we really expect him to come through the rest of the way? <laughs> it, it's like been bipolar dealing with DeAndre Hopkins. But... The big thing, like you mentioned, with Derrick Henry, too, only having 20 total yards. It's just like, what is going on? Now, Derrick Henry's been more quiet than usual, but this was well below the standards that we were expecting. Because I I thought this was going to be a pretty good game. You know, I was looking at this as like, okay, I think that either team could have a good chance of winning this. I didn't think that Bucks were going to dominate like they did, and they did. So the offense with Tennessee is back to being just like a concern. You don't really want to start anybody unless you have to um, from this offense. I hear that, man. Um, all right, move on. Moving on to Detroit. It looks like these Lions running backs can, in fact, coexist. 
right? Now, yeah. this was a back-and-forth game, fast-paced, high-scoring. There's a lot of production to go around, so you know, keep that in mind. But this is what we envisioned going into this season, right? Now, Gibbs had 19 opportunities in a game where Montgomery was healthy, right? He, you know, Gibbs got them down to the one-yard line on a play, and he got the goal line carry for the touchdown. And then he got another goal line carry later on. Like, this is awesome, right? Now, yeah. I still expect Montgomery to get most of that goal line work moving forward, right? But the fact that they're open to giving some of that to Gibbs is, like, really good for Gibbs, right? Like, both of these guys showing some big playability, right? Look at the usage. Gibbs with 58% of the snaps, Montgomery with 38%. Like this backfield, like may have just shifted in Gibbs' direction. Like we'll see if this becomes a trend. Like we have a one-game sample size here after the yeah. bye with both of them healthy. But 19 opportunities for Gibbs with goal line looks compared to Monty's 12 opportunities. Right, definitely noteworthy moving forward. If this continues, let's say this exact, like, let's say this exact workload continues for both these guys. I would say Gibbs is like a high-end RB two, borderline RB one especially when you consider his 64% rap participation, right? And then Monty, solid RB2 with upside, right? So that's kind of yeah. how, how I'm viewing it right now. We'll see what happens moving forward. Maybe it shifts a little bit more 50-50, but we'll see. Super interesting, man. It is, and <laughs> this is kind of what we are screaming for. This is the type of workload we really wanted if you have Jameer Gibbs. Now, if you have David Montgomery, it's a little bit disappointing, but I think it's also worth mentioning that Jameer Gibbs had his two touchdowns before David Montgomery had one. I think that's right. Yeah, he had his two touchdowns first before Dave Montgomery found the end zone. So, like, I think that coming off the bye, they clearly want to involve Jameer Gibbs more. And this was a very inflated, you know, look at what we could be getting the rest of the way. It looks, like, really good because, like you mentioned, high-scoring game. Like obviously, any game that's total 79 points between two teams is going to have this type of production. Everybody's going to be getting their flyers. Like, oh, everybody's having a good game. But you talk about the usage. It looks like Jameer Gibbs is going to be that kind of guy. Like David Montgomery, thank God, didn't have a target. <laughs> like this is the workload that we envisioned for even DeAndre Swift a couple of years past. And now this year we thought, you know, Jameer Gibbs, he just gets some run in the ground game, also gets work in the receiving game. He can have huge upside. This is what we drafted him for. And this is our first taste of it with David Montgomery. And it's in an offense that's going, we're going to see the rest of the way. It's not like Jameer Gibbs was dealing with David Montgomery being out. He looked good in two games with Dave Montgomery out. Now it's continuing. I think there's a shift here. Like, I don't think this is like a faux move into Jameer Gibbs' corner, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I it does. And, and yeah, you're right. Um, Gibbs got his second touchdown, like, right before the next drive where David Montgomery, right from the beginning of the drive, had that huge touchdown run, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, both Keenan Allen and Amon Ross St. Brown, they were, they were going back and forth in this game, right? Like Amon Ra, 8 for 156 yards and a touchdown. Keenan Allen went nuts, 11 for 175 and two touchdowns on 14 targets. He was banged up for a part of this game too with a shoulder injury. You know, dude was just a monster in this game. Uh, just monitor yeah. that shoulder though, okay? Um, and by the way, we finally saw some life out of Quentin Johnston. He caught his first touchdown this game. That was great to see. Uh, a lot of points to go around in this one, uh, but it wasn't great to see Jalen Guyton, you know, earn more targets than him. Um, you know, he, you know, he'll get there, hopefully. Hopefully, you know, who knows? <laughs> it's early. How many games he played? Is this game nine or ten for him? Game nine? Yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. he's got plenty of time, and he's in an offense where he can come on. So I'm not worried about him long term. Still, you know, it's just like Quentin Johnson. Like, okay, he got his first touchdown. It's gonna take him a little, a little while. He's not jumping off the page like Jordan Addison. He's not jumping off the page like other guys that were taken ahead of him or even after him, like Puka Nakor. You know, it's like he's not that instant impact fantasy wide receiver. But I, I still think that there's opportunity for him moving forward. I'm not worried about him in the long term. It, he'll come on. But Keenan Allen, too, like you mentioned, and Amon Ross St. Brown. It's funny because I think our top three rankings for wide receivers, it was Amon Ross St. Brown, and then it was Keenan Allen, and then it was CeeDee Lamb. All three of them came through. I think they're going to be the top three receivers i think at this point i had jamar chase in my top three i had jamar chase in my top three and he's you might have had you might have had cd in your top three but i didn't i think i had him top four i think (laughs) it's because i'm a cowboys fan that's why no it's because you're it's because you're a good fantasy football analyst and you got it right i think that's why yes that's why totally not because he's on an absolute heater right now but (laughs) yeah i mean he is he absolutely is man um and we'll we'll get to him in a second once we get to that cowboys Mm -hmm. game 
Um, I can't wait to talk about CeeDee Lamb. Uh, Bijan Robinson ended up getting the overwhelming majority of running back opportunities in the Falcons' backfield. I, I wonder if anyone influenced Arthur Smith in making that decision. I wonder if anyone noticed that Bijan needed the ball more. Uh, but 22 carries compared to Algiers, nine carries in this game. He took them for 95 yards and a touchdown. Still managed to lose, of course, you know, hoping this means that Arthur Smith is one step closer to being fired. The Falcons threw for less than 100 yards in this game. Okay, absolutely brutal. Right. Taylor Heineke left the game with a hamstring injury, uh, so we might be back to Desmond Ritter for the foreseeable future. But that doesn't mean anything changes at quarterback, right? Because they were playing pretty much the exact same way as each other. Desmond Ritter <laughs> and Taylor <laughs> Heineke. They're, they're the exact same thing. So the only, like you mentioned, the takeaway here is that B. John Robinson got the workload that we were kind of looking for. I think, I think I figured it out what was happening. It was the mustache. What happened, Zach? It was the mustache. Yes. That's what was keeping him from playing B. John Robinson. He shaves a mustache. Yes. Now B. John Robinson's getting these touches. Maybe he's definitely, do you think this is him caving to the point where it's like, okay, we need to give the fans what they want, you know, because he's going to get no, fired at some point. We got, the we got, fans, we got doing this. No, because the true fans, you know, would have told him that, you know, you this is Mo Shave November, right? Like, why would you shave oh, man. in November? I didn't even think about that. Like, why don't you just leave the mustache for November and then like shave it in December? Yet you shave it in no, you know what I'm saying? Like, what more are you doing? Nonsense. Just more overall, like, I'm not sure. Exactly, Smith. more things that don't make sense from Arthur Smith. It's characteristic. Yeah, that, that that's what he does. Exactly. Yeah. He's playing in James Connor. Yeah, he's playing into it, man. I'm not sure if he's aware of it though. Um, James Conner handled almost all the work in Arizona's backfield, 84% of the running back carries. He ran around on only 36% of Kyler Murray's dropbacks. You know, he didn't get a target probably because of that. I'd expect that to change moving forward. I'd expect that route participation to go up drastically next week, potentially, and then the overall opportunities go up as well. Uh, I, you know, remember, he still hasn't had a full practice yet coming off of IR. Right. So, um, now I think the big story, uh, was the rest of this target distribution, right? Trey McBride. Eight catches on nine targets for 131 yards. 28% target share. 28% target share in week nine as well from Clayton Toon. 40% target share in week eight from Josh Dobbs. Okay, the dude is earning right. targets regardless of who the quarterback is. Right? Now, only one catch for Hollywood Brown. Extremely disappointing performance. Only four targets. Uh, he almost had a 30-yard touchdown of Kyler. Didn't slightly overthrow him. Right, Kyler even dove right. for it. Right, it got it on his fingertips, but he couldn't haul it down. Um, he couldn't come down with it. But I think there are much, much better days for Hollywood. Like you know, he's I think he's a clear buy. Like if you can buy him right now, I clear I definitely would do that. Um, if you have him, I keep starting him. We saw the connection that these two had last season. You know, you saw what Hollywood was able to do earlier this year with Josh Dobbs. Like I wouldn't let this game cloud all of that. Right. And I think I, I was I forget what I was doing research on it for, but I was looking at Marquise Brown, you know, Kyler Murray coming back. Last year with Kyler Murray at quarterback, Marquise Brown was a wide receiver eleven points per game. <laughs> so I'm not worried about this. I, I think that this was, you know, obviously a weird week for the Cardinals getting their quarterback back, getting their running back also back in the lineup, that kind of thing. And you mentioned it too with James Conner. These things are going to correct as they stay healthy, you know, get more up to speed, that kind of thing. So this one you you don't want to take too much from it. But I think that the main takeaway, like I mentioned with Trey McBride, being that he's the primary target, like that is what you really want to focus on here. If you if Trey McBride's on a waiver wire or something, go get him. I don't think he would be after these past two weeks of the of the utilization being the way it was. But he's had three different quarterbacks in three different weeks, and he's had the targets every single week. So this is something where it's not just, oh, well, one quarterback likes to favor him. This is him being an, an, an integral part of the Cardinals' offense, and he's going to continue to do that. Now, if Marquise Brown comes on, could Trey McBride's weekly ceiling come down a little bit? Sure. But I think that the utilization is going to be there enough that he's in that, you know, tight end one conversation. And we say this all the time, you know, like where are these, these tight ends that get this usage over and over and over, they move out of that carousel range and they kind of cement themselves at the top where it's like, you can trust them on a weekly basis. We're there with Trey McBride. Yeah. And I, I did want to say um, last year, I was looking at it also. I, I, you might've been looking at some different numbers, but Marquise Brown through weeks one through six last year, where he was the wide receiver one for uh, for Kyler Murray, he was yeah. a wide receiver seven in points per fantasy points per okay. game in PPR, and then wide receiver eight in half PPR, which is bonkers. 
right? So yeah, like, it's crazy. I, I think it's an obvious buy here. Like, just keep starting him. Don't get discouraged after this game, right? Okay. I think I think the numbers I was looking at. Sorry, I just want to clarify this. I think the sure. numbers I was looking at it was the totality of the games where Kyler Murray played most of the snaps or wasn't injured. So obviously, the game where he got uh, injured last year, I didn't count that one. And then there are other ones where he didn't play some of the snaps. He missed one or two. Oh, of them are you shoulder. including games with Hopkins? Including games with Hopkins? I, I was just going based off of who the quarterback was. And at that point, he was wide oh, receiver 11. Okay. So I think it was, oh, I'm sorry. I think it was, so, I think it was seven so, or eight wait, games. So he finished. I, so even with Hopkins, he was a wide receiver one? Yeah. That's so sick. This, this is, these are the numbers. I'm, I'm just going to go over it real quick. It, it was seven or eight games. I forget exactly what it was because it's like a couple games in between. Obviously, Kyle yeah. Murray missed some games and he came back, played one. But in the games where Kyler Murray played the majority of the snaps at quarterback, you know, and that being like, you know, over 80 or 90% of the snaps. Yep. Even the, regardless of who was the uh, on offense, wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, that kind of thing. Marquise yep. Brown in those games alone averaged, I think it was 17 or some point, 17 points a game, which would have, Legit. which would rank this week, not this week, this year as a wide receiver, 11 points per game. Wow. There you go. There you go. I love it. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. I thought you were talking about games with DeAndre without DeAndre Hopkins, in which that's just the situation right yeah. now. And he's gonna get the target share, guys. Like he's not getting four targets in one catch every game moving forward. Okay. Right. So don't worry about it. Um, as expected, the Cowboys absolutely dominated the Giants. Okay, the game script did not matter for the past game in this one. They just kept piling on, right? <laughs> Dak Prescott with four hundred yards and four touchdowns. Uh, he is on an absolute roll right now. CeeDee Lamb with another crazy game, 11 catches for 151 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they mentioned it on the broadcast. He's the first player in NFL history to have three straight games of 10-plus catches for 150-plus yards. Okay. Uh, I think this is just becoming a meme at this point because I said you know to sell CD. So I think with every good CD game from here on out, I- I'm just being reminded every single time how terrible of a call that was. It's it's just ridiculous. And I, I can't even say that I saw this coming. You know, I, I figured like the what we've seen from CeeDee Lamb has been like he has a big game and then he has a couple like eh, games in between. And he has another big game. The thing was he wasn't consistent uh, as a wide receiver one, but he would finish as a wide receiver one because his highs were high and his lows were just like kind of in the middle. You know, it's like you weren't really happy with it those certain weeks. I thought that this was going to be a game where Dallas just didn't have to throw a ton. I thought this was going to be a game where C.D. Lamb, he, he could get a touchdown. I was thinking like 7 for 80 and a touchdown this game. Not 11 for 151 and a touchdown. And he also adds a rushing touchdown. They are using C.D. Lamb in every single way. They're actually using him in a way that he's supposed to be. They see that he's a wide receiver one. They're using him that way. It is fantastic to see. Like This is a ridiculous four-game tear that he is on right now. I don't know where it would rank. <laughs> you know, in terms of four game stretches, but this has to be one of the best four game stretches for a fantasy wide receiver in, in the past. How well, many? It, it, like, it has to play. be one of the best three game stretches. That's for sure. Yeah, 150 it's yards. Co- 10 it's, times, Cooper you know what I'm it's Cooper Cup. It's Cooper Cup. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. What about Brandon Cooks, man? Nine catches. I'm just trying to change the subject. Nine catches <laughs> uh, on ten targets for 173 yards and a touchdown, dude. Like. What's going on there? Like, is this smoke? Is there fire here? Should we be rostering Cooks? Like, what's going on? I, I think that you can roster him because these next two weeks are games against the Panthers and the the, the Commanders. <laughs> and he's come on the past four weeks. He has three oh, touchdowns. Oh, that's just great. That's just great. Another another great matchup for CeeDee Lamb. That's exactly what I need right now. And, that's yeah, just and, what I need. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like, if this is the way they're going to play, like we've seen games where Dallas has these good matchups, like I mentioned, and then they, they run the ball. But that hasn't been the case. Dallas has switched since their bye week. They have been full-on pass-first offense, and it's just like fantastic. So I think where Brandon Cooks, he had that really quiet beginning of the season, I think suddenly he's relevant because he's earning targets these past couple weeks. He hit a couple thresholds. This week, he looked great you know, in terms of what he was doing. I don't think he's going to have this type of upside every week. I don't think that this is going to continue you know, to where it's like Dak Prescott's throwing four touchdowns on a weekly basis, but I think that he's worth a look at least because it seems like they've found ways to get him involved in the offense. So I, I'm not just writing him off at this point anymore. I would put him on your roster just in case. They do have some good matchups coming up. This next four game stretch, like you mentioned, Carolina, Washington, Seattle, and Philly. <laughs> like, I, I, he has a chance to get some. He has a chance to actually be fancy relevant these next four weeks. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I guess so. I mean, he has to be on the waiver wire list, that's for sure. Um, you know, we'll see if he ends up. You know, they're actually because Dak is on a roll right now, and if he's going to yeah. continue to play like this, there's going to be multiple wide receivers relevant. You know, at this point, yep. um, and not to mention Jake Ferguson as well. Uh, I mentioned on Thursday's episode that this game was a litmus test for Tony Pollard. He did not pass a litmus test. Okay, he's allergic to the end zone. He's not being used the way he was being used last year. He doesn't look as good as he looked last year. This is simply not the Tony Pollard we're used to. Okay, I think it's safe to say that Tony Pollard is a bust this year. Okay? Yeah. I like Pollard a whole lot coming into the year. He was one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL last year, the year before. And now, it's literally the opposite. Rico Dottle is coming in and playing the Tony Pollard role. Okay, <laughs> that we're, we're used to, that we're used to, right? And like looking right. better than Tony Pollard at times. And we can't just say that it's because of the game script and the matchup anymore. We can't say it anymore. Like if we have to depend on just like crazy volume for Pollard, it just means that he's just not as good as we thought he was coming into the year. Right? Like yeah. that's really what it comes down to because he didn't need the volume to get it done last year. Exactly. And Anyone that was talking about, like you mentioned, the volume being here, like the volume isn't even there. It's not like, like, is an RB1 workload like 15 carries? That's what he had in this game. He hasn't gone over 15 carries since week three. <laughs> he had two touchdowns in week one. That's it. You mentioned he, he just hasn't scored. So it's like, what is happening to Tony Pollard? I think the problem was the first couple of weeks, Tony Pollard was serviceable. He got the usage that we wanted to see. The production was kind of middling. But at that point in the season, like week five-ish, we were saying, okay, the production's eventually going to catch up to this usage that he's getting. But then the Cowboys switched. They went pass heavy. And now he's, com he's a complete afterthought. Like, he's playing, and I, I don't want to compare him to the Cowboys offense to the Chiefs, but he's playing like a role where it's like, you don't need the running back. It's just whoever's the hot hand. And you're the lead running back. You're not averaging a lot of yards per carry, but it doesn't matter because your offense is getting it done through the air. Like, why would they continue to go to Tony Pollard if he's not working? Like he's at a point where it's just like a complete bust. I think you're in on that one. And I'm honestly surprised because I didn't think that this was going to happen. Maybe it was maybe that leg injury that he had in the divisional round last year was a little bit more significant than we thought. But it's the same thing. Like you mentioned, it's just funny when you compare it to what we saw last season because Rico Dowdle looks like Tony Pollard did last year. <laughs> and it seems like whoever assumes that RB1 role in the Cowboys offense, they just lose that second year. And we like, have you seen the second year of Tony Pollard? I haven't. No, it, it just, no, it hasn't I been haven't. There. You know, he caught that one pass, like you know, before the bye, but like that was that was really it. I mean, he got caught you know, up. Funny, like, he wasn't getting caught. Yeah, on he that. got caught. Yeah. Well, he he did get he did get caught up by like somebody who runs a four four, but um, still. you know, it, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, you know, but yeah, no, absolutely, still, exactly. I mean, it, it's one of those things where you know, now moving forward, you have to understand that Tony Pollard is just not going to be that guy. Okay, so if you want to move out, move out from under him, just like move on, trade him, whatever you got to do for name value, if you can, get out at this point. Um, right. Just real quick, I, 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 you know, on the Seahawks Commanders game, um, you know, DK Metcalf, Tal Lockett, you know, we talked about both of these guys having great matchups. They're the ones who got the targets in this game. Okay, and they yep. pretty much both of them pretty much came through for the most part. Um, uh let's see what what else um i was looking at i was just looking at this game right now and i lost my notes um sam howell looked good I, i'm lost that. sam howell looked good man and like you know he's coming through for fantasy this year man um oh the one thing that i wanted to talk about with uh with that backfield so if you were worried about the seahawks backfield right you were worried about kenneth walker um you know the backfield you know the roles are pretty clear i would say at this point because kenneth walker he moved back into that primary running back role that primary rusher role 76 percent of the running back carries in this game Charbonnet did out snap him but again game script they were down he was running most of the routes this is a situation where zach Charbonnet is the primary passing down back kenneth walker is the primary rusher Right, that's really yep. what the roles are right now. And then Zach Charbonnet was was coming in on some of those short yardage roles, the short yardage plays. Right, that's I think that's the role that they've really been in over the past like two games or so. Um, but not really worried about Kenneth Walker moving forward if this is going to be his role. Um, I, I think people got a little bit worried, but I think it was due to circumstances that were a little bit weird for the Seahawks over the last two weeks. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think Kenneth Walker is? I mean, I don't know how you were you, were you viewing him at any point as a solid RB one. Like, do you think his days as an RB one, solid RB one, are over? Do you think he's more of a low RB one, high RB two? Like, where where are you putting yes. him moving forward? With he that is role? a low like, end. He is a low end RB one because he's not. Cra- I mean, obviously, he scored his long touchdown today in the receiving game, but you know, it was only one catch, right? So exactly, he's a low end. He's a low end RB one. And the reason why he's a low in RB1 is because he has that big playability because he's Kenneth Walker, right? And because of the right. fact that, like, he's going to get those high-value touches, like, near the goal line, that sort of thing. Um, you know and weird? he's just a good running back. Yeah. You know what's weird? Does this sound like another Seahawks running back in history that we've been talking about? Like Chris Carson? Sound like, I was going to say Rashad Penny. <laughs> because it's like oh. the exact same phenomenon where it's like he's going to have the early down roll. He's not getting a whole lot of passing work, but because he's Kenneth Walker, because he's Rashad Penny, they can house it well, at any time. You know, that kind of thing. Marshawn like, Lynch, Chris Carson. Maybe it's just a Rashad Seahawks Penny. thing. Like that, that yeah. has to be it's it. A peak it's, Carol, the next it's a peak Carroll running yeah. back thing. Yeah, yeah, that's really yeah. what it is. Okay, that's I, really yeah. Maybe that's the comparison people need. Maybe maybe that will offer some clarity here because I just offered, I just got myself, it just came a little bit more clear to me who Kenneth Walker is. Just saying that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly, hundred um, percent. And also, like you know, Brian Robinson obviously scored. You know, he he had like a shit ton of you know catches in this game. He he ran less routes than Antonio Gibson, but ended up having more than a hundred yards receiving in this game. So um, this might be so. a good time to sell because <laughs> eight carries uh, compared to Gibson's four carries. So it's like you know, come on, yep. like in a word, Gibson's so. getting more work, man. Like Gibson's getting like fifty percent of the work almost, uh, and fifty percent of the snaps. So right. you know. He, he caught a touchdown in this game, too. So he might be someone you want to sell. Okay. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. I hope we hope this helped. We'll be back We'll be back uh, tomorrow for the waiver Wire episode. Um, so we'll see you then. Take it easy. Hope everyone's doing well. And hope everyone has a great week this week. Do your thing. See you later. Bye-bye.